That's fantastic, guys. And uh, Heather, myself, and, Roy, and the hockeys were at Golden Harvest this weekend, which is a kind of a Christian camp in the Midlands, with the leadership team of City Hill Church Toti. I've got to honestly say it's the coldest I've ever been in my whole life. <laughs> Unbelievable, guys. Like, you, like you, didn't, you don't need a fridge there. You just put it outside. <laughs> it was freezing. It was, I mean, I, I don't know. There was snow in the berg, apparently, so was cold but what was amazing uh, particularly in this theme of father and the father's day there was a 20 something year old lady there married lady and um, she was abused from by her dad from an early age and so physically abused and she at the age of eight turned off her emotions as a response to this Later on in life, she took her dad to court to get free of him. Won the case and got free of her dad, so the abuse stopped. And uh, there was an amazing moment. You know, this is how the Father looks after us and plans things. So what's beautiful when you go into these contexts, you don't know anything. You don't know the people. You've kind of, I know Tim and Paula Peterson and Colin and Verity who lead the elders in the church, but I don't really know many of the, the leadership team. And we had a moment there where I, j- I could just see God was on this, this young girl. And I said to her, actually, I feel like God, is, God has got something for you. And I feel like it's the Father wants to minister to you. I, don't think you've, I feel like you haven't had a good experience of Father. For the first time in 20-something years, she started crying, expressing emotion. And we had a moment where I got three or four of the dads in the church, the fathers in the church, to just bless her. I tell you what, friends, God is absolutely profoundly amazing. And the Father wants to bless us. He wants to bless us and He wants to send us. Because that blessing that you get from Him is not just for you, it's for those around you. It's not just for those across the border, but it's for your neighbor, it's for the person that you work with, it's for the person that you don't know, where you just feel, I feel like God wants to do something in your life. And it just unlocks something. We had a lunch with her afterwards, her and her husband. And, um, and she literally said she hasn't cried for 20-something years. And she's, been, she's kind of going through a psychological kind of process now where God is... And she, she said this. She said that moment was the biggest moment of her life and her journey in this. Just because the Father, just because the Father's hand came upon her friends this word Abba that we sang about you know there's a there's kind of there's some um, like Jewish kind of traditions that are around and they kind of there's one of the rabbinical commentaries on the Mishnah which is kind of a traditional teaching on by the Jews of their scriptures and it says this it says that slaves were forbidden to address the head of the family by this title, Abba. That was a title, it was, it was, it was this personal name, it was, it was kind of too personal, slaves weren't allowed to do it. Only the sons and daughters would, could say that name. And so when, we saw, when, when, when suddenly this word comes up where you call God Abba, it is seriously controversial in the, in the, in the moment of Jesus' time. 
Because if a slave wasn't able to call the master of their house, Abba, even though they'd been living there all their life, perhaps, how much more are we not worthy to call him Yahweh, Abba? Phenomenal, phenomenal thing, friends. We get to call him Father. Our Father who art in heaven. And it's that, that realization that God is a Father and that He is good that sets itself in our hearts. And it's that goodness that permeates our lives in every part of what we do. It's a phenomenal thing. God is speaking to us. It's Father's Day. And boy, do fathers need strength and courage at this time. But I want to say it's also Father's Day, every day with Him. And we have the privilege of calling Him Abba. Even though we are not, even though we've been adopted. We're not slaves. We're not orphans. We are sons and daughters of the Most High. It is absolutely profound. And when I saw what God did with that young lady, I thought, Lord, you are absolutely amazing. Absolutely amazing. Well, just the good news is, or the bad news, depending on who you are, it's our last Sunday for 12 weeks tonight, today, as we go on our long leave. And um, it's got to that moment, you know, when you're kind of planning this thing into the future, and it's actually quite exciting, can't wait for it to come. Now it's here, I'm like, hey, like this is quite a thing. I'm scarily excited. And... Um, I heard somebody say this, and this is for me and this is for you and all of us. They said this. They said, unless you rest from the work, you don't work from rest. It's quite good, eh? Unless you rest from the work, you never learn to work from rest. And part of our job as believers is to, that's why God put in place a Sabbath so that we would have work, rest from the work so that when we work, we work from rest. It's a very profound thing. And please do, please do pray for us. It is an unbelievable privilege. And I know some of you are saying, I wish my, jo I wish my job gave me that. I wish it did as well. <laughs> me too. I pray that you do. It's an absolute privilege. It's an honor and a privilege. But I really do pray. Please do pray for us. Uh, uh, I'm praying that God would give us an uninterrupted space to just reset, rejig, find him in a fresh way. When God says that you've got seven fat years ahead, after, after, with Chanel's word, you know seven fat years doesn't mean seven parking off years. They seven years we're going to have to run hard. God's, 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 God's got fat years ahead, but boy, it's going to mean faith ventures. It really is going to be a profound season. And part of this is actually just to prepare for that and prepare us, our hearts and our legs and our vision and our minds and our emotions and all these things. And uh, please do pray. Please do pray. I, I think I'm over the fact that some people will be not happy with us going, but I'm not. <laughs> but you kind of wrestle with these things. And so this is this thing. It's about, I think it's strategic in God, if I'm honest, and it is a real privilege. So please do pray for us. People have said, how can we help you? Be present. Be present. Be praying. Be present. Be, be, adding, be adding value. Be, be just be. Just be. be. Be looking after the community. 
We've never tried to build a community where one person determines the community. We try to build a community that looks after the community. Try to build a, a body that builds itself up in love as each part does its work, Ephesians 4 says. And so let's trust that God will, will do that. While we're away, we were going to do a, se- a series in 1 Peter. And uh, I said to the team last week, I said, hey, listen, I've been preparing, doing frameworks, doing outlines on this, and how, do we, how are we going to structure this? And I completely just did not feel it at all. Like, this is not what we're meant to be doing. And we kind of had planned that and thought about that at the beginning of the year. But, but I think what God has on us over probably the last two or three months is the sense of the missional heart of God to send His people to the world. It's this confidence that we need to develop that actually we are God's plan for the world. You and I are God's plan. You and I are God's choice. And we see that right in the, in the book of Genesis. In chapter, uh, last week we spoke about this. Genesis chapter 1, he says to, before the fall, he says, be fruitful, be multiplying, be blessed, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth and subdue it. That was the plan of God. God, God had to, wanted to take his heart from a garden and take it to the globe. And he wanted his people to do that in partnership with him as they walked in the cool of the day with him. Sin comes in and disrupts that. And so God puts a redeeming, redemption, restoring plan in place. And he calls a man from a faraway country called Abraham. And he changes his name to Abraham. And he says to him, he says, I will bless you. And he says, you will become a great nation. You'll become more numerous than the stars and the sand and the sea. You'll be numerous. You'll have, you'll have blessing and favor over your life. You'll have goodness will follow you. And I will make your name great. I will make you influential. So that you can be a blessing to all people. And that little word, so that, is so powerful. So that you will be a blessing. And everything we find, and this is why we've got to find God in such a profound way. That's why we've got to take our relationship with God in such a profound way. This is why we've got to understand that the gifts that God's given us, we've, they, they're, not, they're not given to us to be dormant. The love, the healing, the power, the deliverance, the, whatever the moments are, the, the prophetic, the, 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 all these different leadership, administration, all these gifts, not just the spiritual ones, the, the, all the gifts and all the motivational gifts and all the manifestational gifts and all these word gifts are given to us so that we can reach our neighbors and we can reach the neighbors. So that we can express the love of God in a profound way, in a personal way, and show them how good the Father actually is. And so actually God's plan was then to put Abraham, and then, he, then he, out of Abraham, Israel gets formed. He forms this in an Exodus chapter 19, this profound text, where he says, out of all the people, you will be my treasured possession. You will be for me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. He commissions this nation to go and be his light in the world. And he calls them his son. Israel is called the son of God. And he says because of this personal father-hearted relationship that he will have with them. And he wants to journey with them and he gives them, he gives them everything they need to be this light. But he calls them my treasured possession. He calls them a, 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 a kingdom of priests. You see, God's heart for the church 
was never that one or two people would be the priests. His heart is that the whole kingdom would be priests. Do you know what priests do? They mediate the blessing of God. They mediate the heart of the Father to an orphanage, orphaned world. And he says, I want my whole church to take the whole gospel to the whole world. And I'm gonna, you're going to be my treasured possession. You're going to be the apple of my eye. You're going to be a holy nation. You're going to be completely distinct from all those around you. You're going to be this incredibly inclusive people. You're going to be this people that understands my heart. And you're going to show people how good I am. Whether you're in big meetings or small meetings, or whether you're at work, or whether you're in the classroom, or whether you're at university, no matter where you are, in your going, he says in Matthew 28, the similar kind of thing. He says, as you go, make disciples, baptizing them and teaching them. As you go, and I said this last week, as you go, there's in, in, the math, in Matthew 28, there's one command and there's three, um, what's the word? Participles. Is that the right word? Yeah. Make disciples is the command. And you make disciples in your going, and that word is not in your going as you cross a nation, as you cross a border. It's as you go, as you are living your life, in your going, make disciples, baptizing and teaching. And this is the powerful thing of the gospel. And so God puts this plan in place, a plan that if you had looked at it, you thought it's failed, Adam and Eve they failed. They, could, they, they, didn't take the, they didn't take what God had given to them to give to the world. They wanted to own what God gave to them and get God to come onto their side and kind of be God. And they, they messed it up. Actually, God calls this Abraham and then he called, makes this nation Israel and they also mess it up. And eventually, he brings Jesus who fulfills everything that Adam and Eve messed up. And he fulfills everything that Israel didn't do. And he becomes this one where an unbreakable covenant, a relationship with the Father can be restored so that the church, the, his people, his treasured possession, his chosen people, that in 2 Peter it says, speaks of that same verse in, in Exodus chapter 19. A chosen people, a holy nation, this, this wonderful, you are, you are absolutely a special treasure for me, he says to them. This people will carry his name to all the earth. To me, what God is wanting his church again, he needs his church back being seed and salt. He's back, he wants his church to be seed and salt again on the earth. Seed and salt. Friends, our job is not to close a deal with people and get them across the line to be saved. Our job is to plant seed and be salt. Jesus saves people, you and I don't. We don't preach the gospel to people that are not ready to give their lives to Jesus. The Bible says that's, it's like uh, pearls to swine. What we do is we become the love of the Father, we become the goodness of the God, not with who we are, not with what we do, but with who we are in all of our life, in every part of our life, in our parenting, in our marriages, in every part of our life, so that so that we can be seed and salt in every place that we are. So wherever we are, we're planting seed. Wherever we are, we're salting in some way. We're preserving. We, we're bringing life. We, we're adding value to. This is the 
job of the church, God's chosen people. And God is wanting his church again, in the midst of all that's happening in the world today, to be seed and salt to a world that needs replanting and to a world that needs re-preserving. And we are that people, friends. Every single one of us. And I trust over this next season, while I'm praying we're going to come back to a church that's seeding and salting everything. You know, you know friends, how is the goodness of God going to come to the city? How is revival going to come to our city? We're praying, Lord, will you revive? And we're praying, standing here, saying, God, will you do it there? It's like God's going to do it. But to tell you how he is going to do it, friends. The Bible says this, the harvest is ripe. The harvest is ready. We don't pray for the harvest. What does he tell us to pray in Luke chapter 10? He prays, asks us to pray for the harvesters. Praise for us, Lord, please give them power, give them strength, give them courage. Let them understand the priority of your life, friends. The priority of our lives is to bring the kingdom of God wherever we are, through our gifts, through our vehicles, through our businesses, through everything. It's not, it's not like we have this thing now, kingdom business and church. What, what do you preach to kingdom business people? Must I tell you what you preach to them? Jesus and his kingdom. Exactly the same thing that you preach to the church, you preach to business people. Because your, your, your business, your business is not your vision. Your business is your vehicle. Your vision, every single human being that knows the Father, their vision is to bring the love of the Father to a dying world. Every single believer is their vision is to see Jesus and his name lifted up. Every vision, the vision of every single person on this planet is Jesus and his kingdom, the king and his kingdom. And he uses us uniquely because we are made uniquely in our various spheres of influence to make sure that that happens. Friends, we separate everything. Jesus and the kingdom. It's Jesus, friends. Keep your focus on Jesus. Don't be distracted from Jesus. Don't drift away from Jesus. And what we have here is this call of God to his people to say, I want to take this seed and salt to the whole world. In John chapter 20, we see another expression of the Father's plan. Isn't it amazing? A Father's plan always ends up being solved or put in place by a son. Not a servant, not an orphan. The Father's plan to reconcile this place that in many times we would rather not be here and rather be with him because of what's going on in the world. The father's plan involves a son doing his job or a daughter doing her job. Because the son or the father, the daughter, carries the father's DNA, carries the father's heart, carries the father's love. 
And who, who more do you want to take your plan into place than your sons and daughters from your very heart? It's amazing, friends. You and me. How's Durban going to become better? How's South Africa going to be, become better? How, how, what is this, Lord? It's just, what are we going to do? Be a son and a daughter and carry the Father's heart wherever you are. The Father's plan was put in place through those amazing texts. Big Genesis chapter 12 with Abraham and Exodus 19 and all these big texts. And Matthew 28, which we spoke about earlier. There's another one of these in John chapter 20. So the Father puts a plan in place. And the son takes that plan and says, I'll go. I'll do this. I'll love those people. I'll be kind. I'll be generous. I'll live so sacrificially and so cost, in such costly obedience, even if it costs me my life, I'll go. In John chapter 20, verse 19, it says this. On the evening of the first day of the week, when the disciples were together and the doors were locked, for fear of the Jewish leaders. This is now after Jesus has been raised from the dead. They've killed your master. Now they're coming for you. That's the logical conclusion. They didn't like him, so all of his followers, they're going to round them up now and also sort them out. So what they're doing is they're behind locked doors in fear. Jesus came and stood among them. Somehow through a locked door in a closed room, Jesus appears and stands among them. Isn't it incredible? Thank God. Thank God that no locked door can stop Jesus from coming in. Thank God that no hard heart or locked emotion or locked mind or locked heart can stop Jesus from coming in. In the midst of this fear, in the midst of now what? Jesus appears and he stands among them. I love that. And he stood among them. Friends, you know when we are meeting, how much more when we're meeting in worship? These guys were meeting in fear. That Jesus comes and stands among us. This, this morning I thought, Lord Jesus, where are you? Like, Wish I could see you where you are. I know he's here by his spirit. But Jesus is standing among us. And he says this to them, peace be with you. And that's kind of a standard greeting. Often in the epistles you see peace be with you. Grace and peace be with you. It's kind of like a, a, standard, meet, a standard greeting. But this is way more than a standard greeting for these guys that are in fear. Because you can say, how's it? but not really mean, how is it? You know, that we do that. You can kind of, peace be with you, but you're not really saying, peace be with you. No, no, now he's saying, peace be with you. Stands amongst the fearful people, he says, peace be with you. And after he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. He needed to assure them that it was him. One of the things I want to pray for when I'm finished today I was on a pray for assurance of salvation for people. I feel like some people, 
Friends, we will never be seed and salt and never be good witnesses and never be good representatives of our Father if we're not assured of the love and the grace of our Father. And I feel like God wants to bring His assurance to some of you that He's with you in this process of going and seeding and salting. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. It's amazing when you can... What's the difference between fearfulness and joy? Jesus. The crucified and risen Jesus takes fear and turns it into joy. This is just all along the way. It's like when you read this text, it's just absolutely amazing, the Scriptures. Then Jesus said, again Jesus said, peace be with you. Now you know, peace be with you is not just a hello, how's it? Because he say, he's already said hello, how's it? Now he's saying, peace be with you. And it's, I think it's William Barclay that says this, about when he says, peace be with you. It could, it's more than be saved from trouble. It's, it's, it, it means, may God give you every good thing. William Barclay says in his commentary. So when he says, peace be with you, it's, it's I'm with you. It's, it's not only don't be fearful because I'm going to protect you, but I'm going to give you every good thing. He goes on to say this, these amazing words. As the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. See, God's plan gets put in place by a son. And the son sends his brothers and sisters to do the work. You and I. And that work, friends, is a work of incredible goodness and love towards a dying world. And with that, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone's sins, their sins are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. The resurrected Jesus appears to a fearful group of people in a locked up room, miraculously. He turns their fear into joy. And then he says, as the Father has sent me. You see these scars? See these scars here? He showed them his wounds. This is me. This is the Father's work. As the Father has sent me, now I want you to go. And he breathes on them. Where else do you know of somebody breathing on somebody, something else in the Scriptures? Genesis? God breathed on Adam and he became a living being. You see, without the, the life of God... The church is dead. He says, I want you to go as the Father sent me in the same life that I have. Friends, do you understand? Do we get this? I was thinking about this this morning. When Jesus breathed on them, and he said, they said, receive the Holy Spirit. Do you get that you carry the breath of Jesus in you? Let's not let Jesus waste his breath. We carry the breath of God. 
If you knew for sure you carried the breath of God, fully backed by the Son, fully backed, who is fully backed by the Father, how assured would you be of your job before you? Of course we would be full of confidence and full of boldness. That's why we need the Holy Spirit in this job. And that's why he says, be peace. Peace to you. Starts with peace to us. Starts with, next is his breath to us. And next is, as, I send, as he sent me, so I'm sending you. It doesn't matter how old you are. It doesn't matter how long you've walked with Jesus or known Jesus. It doesn't even matter how much you know the Bible for God to use you. It helps. But God can use anybody to do profound things in his kingdom because it's not us, it's his breath in us and through us. He breathed on them. You see, for us to bring new life, we have to be like Adam, become living beings, new creations. So right there he was telling them, you are now new creations. You are a new creation in Christ. Now go. And as, as, look at my life. You know what it was like when you walked with me for three years. Now go and do exactly the same thing yourself. It's not complicated, friends. It's, it's summed up in a simple word, love. It's summed up in a simple word, love. Living for the best of another. Living for the good of another. And he carries on and it's, it's, it's like Jesus imparts his own spirit to them so that they can take it. And we know Matthew 28, he says, I'll be with you to the end of the age. So it's not like he gives it to them and then like walks away and says, okay, we'll get on with the job. No, he gives us his spirit and then he's present. He's moving. He's operating. Before we get there, he's there. In that moment where you're thinking, should I say something? Should I say something? Shouldn't I say something? Even that girl this weekend, I thought, oh Lord, should I? It's quite a thing to say, I don't believe you've had a good dad. I'm thinking, I hope. I hope she hasn't had a good dad because otherwise I'm going to look like an absolute plonker. It's amazing, friends. That little thing where you think, ah, oh, no, it's nothing. God's already there. He's already moving. He's already prepared the ground. All he wants is a son or daughter to step in and release their breath. Release his breath through our lives. Through simple seed and simple salt. He gives them, not only does he give them his spirit, but he gives them authority. Have you ever, he gives them the confidence to know this, that they can preach the forgiveness of sin on God's behalf. And people will believe them. Have you ever thought of that? I can stand up here and say, Jesus died. Jesus died the death that we should have died and lived the life that we should have lived. A 
perfect life that we should have lived on our behalf as a substitute. And as he died on the cross, every sin was landed on him and resurrection life was given to those that receive him. If you believe that, your sin is forgiven. That's quite an audacious statement, eh? Yeah, but don't worry, Trevor. Yeah, but Stan, I've had a hectic life, dude. You, you can't believe what I've done. Put your faith in Jesus. You are forgiven. He gives that authority to the church to say, if you put your faith in him, you are forgiven. And those that don't are not. And sometimes people are not forgiven or don't, are not living in this forgiveness because nobody's preached forgiveness to them. You know, friends, on the other side of our obedience, on the other side of our yes, on the other side of our boldness, are people making the biggest decision on their, of their life to be with Jesus in eternity or not. Have you ever thought of that? Recently I've been saying, hey, God, this is an awesome responsibility you've given us. I wouldn't have given us this. I wouldn't have given us this responsibility, but you have. It's unbelievable. See, the sending of the Father needs an assurance of who Jesus is. It needs the power of the Spirit to do it because it's not about us, it's about Him. It's His breath that moves beyond us. And then He gives us the authority to preach this thing. It's absolutely amazing, friends. And my prayer for us over this season, as different people interact about this, we want to tell stories of how people are doing this in everyday life. Gary Besaid note, he doesn't know this yet. If he's here, is he here? I don't know. Lots of people are away this weekend. Gary Besaid note's going to tell his story, his story of what's happening on a Tuesday morning in his workshop with people getting saved. We, we want to we get encouraged by the fact that actually people, people's lives are being changed by ordinary people, just by being seed and salt in the moment. I want to pray for those that haven't got assurance of their salvation. If that's you, if you feel like, you know what, Stan, I always wrestle. And then what happens is I sin, or something happens, I mess up, then I think, no, God's not with me. Well, actually, you just wrestle. I remember Beth used to wrestle with this in the early days. Funny story, Beth, can I tell that story? <laughs> deacons meeting. Or actually, a church meeting. Paul and Beth, we weren't deacons, we were in their home group. And uh, they said, we just want assurance of salvation. And Beth stood up as a leader in the church, me. But the problem is she didn't do it once. She did it like a few times <laughs> until God got hold of her and said, you're mine. Don't ever think you're not. I paid the price for you. If that's you, you lack assurance. If you don't have assurance, friends, you're never going to live in the authority that God's called you to preach. If you don't have assurance, you're never going to believe in the spirit that he's given you to reach. If you, if, you, if you lack assurance of your salvation and who God is to you, I want you to stand up right now, boldly. Stand up. Where you are, I'm not going to call you up to the front. Just stand up. I want to pray for you. 
I can't believe there's nobody. Brilliant, bro. More? There's more? I know lots of people wrestle with this. I used to wrestle with it as well. I tell the best story, but I also used to wrestle with it. Some more people. Just quickly. Guys, it's about boldness. The baptism in the Holy Spirit was given to you so that you could be bold in proclaiming His name and breathing His life and breathing His breath over the life of the people around you. Wonderful. That's it. Brilliant. Fantastic. Father, I ask you, Lord God, for these men and women and for one or two that are still sitting, that, Father, you today would draw a line in the sand for them. Jesus, you drew the line in the sand, not us. This was your work, not us. And I pray, Lord God, today, these men and women would have a bold faith. They would have a bold assurance that Jesus is their Lord and Savior, that Jesus is their King, that God is their Father, and nothing can separate them from the love of the Father. Nothing, neither death nor disease or anything else can separate them from the love of the Father. That today, 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 they never wrestle with us again in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Lord. <laughs>